the apostles would travel from town to town and they would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, modern day preachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles still hit the road and they go from church to church sharing the stories and the goodness of God. Well, tonight I am so excited because my guest is author and minister, Michael Lombardo. Michael is the founder and the president of Life Poured Out International. He also has written a book called Born For More, but his travels, he does not travel alone. He has a sidekick. He has the Holy Spirit. So let's hear about his travels with the Holy Ghost. So welcome to Touch by Prayer, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is such an honor. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So, okay, so first of all, you get to hang out with one of my favorite, favorite people, and that's the Holy Spirit, because I <laughs> absolutely have had so oh, yeah. much fun <laughs> hanging oh, yeah. out with him. So how how did this start for you? Well, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. Well, sort of, I guess you could say Christian home. My mom, she was a believer. She got um she got saved in a, a Catholic church, actually, in, in, when there was a move of God, you know, um, at a church down the block. She got filled with the Holy Spirit. My dad wasn't a believer, really. He kind of went to church, you know, afraid he was going to go to hell, kind of <laughs> more more of religious duty than anything else. And um, so I grew up, you know, hearing about God and um, all of that. And I just went through a serious phase at 14 years old where I just wanted nothing to do with the Lord. I just didn't get it, really. You know, it was one of those things where I went to Catholic church. I... I, you know, I thought I had a really bad perception of who God was. You know, I thought God wanted to steal all my fun. I thought he just wanted to sit me in a church building and make me do all these good things and take away everything that brought me joy. But um, my dad got radically changed when I was 14 years old. His company was going down the drain, and he reached out to God in a really tough time, and he completely changed overnight. And at first, I was thinking to myself, like, who is this guy? Who is my dad? Like I don't even I don't even recognize him anymore. Everywhere we went, he was telling people about Jesus, and it, it really honestly it turned me off. I thought, okay, there's Christians out there, but you're a Jesus freak. Like there's a whole nother level of of what it's supposed to be. So I went through a serious phase of just wanting nothing to do with the Lord. You know, just completely just rebelled against my family, drugs, alcohol, dealing drugs, partying. You know, breaking the law the whole nine yards. And um, it was fun for a season, a lot of friends, was making money, everything was good. But then I went through a patch in my life um, where it was just not fun anymore. You know, um, the Holy Spirit was pursuing me, I didn't realize it. My parents were praying for me relentlessly, family members were praying for me, church church members were praying for me. And um, I had no clue, but I was questioning life. And um, I really didn't know where to go. I tried everything to make myself happy. I tried more drugs, I tried more girls, I tried more money more hobbies. And uh, every time I got what I wanted, I just fell flat on my face. It just wasn't, I wasn't happy. Like vanity of vanities, you know, like uh, King Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes. I had, you know, I had all these things, wisdom and riches and women and all this, but at the end of the day, it was empty. And, um, you know, people were telling me about the Lord, but I really wanted nothing to do with him. I never felt God's presence. I never heard God speak with me. People would tell me you could feel God, hear God. I just, it never happened to me. So I came to a place where I was just getting attacked by the enemy. You know, I was darkness and depression and everything, and um, I just quit. I got in my room, I got alone with the Lord, and I said, listen, if you're real, like everybody says you are, then I need to know right now. God changed my life. I need a change. I'm sick of this. I can't live this way anymore. And, you know, I thought I was alone in my room, but I wasn't. The Holy Spirit just manifested so powerfully, so sweetly 
the power of God really shot through my body. It was amazing because I was bound with fear. I was bound with depression and anxiety. And then all of that lifted as the love, the grace, the presence of God just filled my heart. And, you know, it was just a radical encounter. Actually, the first thought that I had when this happened was, this is better than ecstasy. <laughs> because ecstasy was one of my favorite drugs back in my pre-Christ days. And I was just like, man, this is what I was born for, his presence, knowing him. And um, I heard God speak for the first time. And it wasn't a booming voice. It wasn't, you know, a trumpet and a, and a loud, you know, it, wasn't, it was subtle. And it was the Holy Spirit. And he said to me, son, I have plans for your life. And right then and there, I just said yes, Jesus, to whatever you have for me, and I just fell in love with his presence. I went from a drug addict to a presence addict in, in, in one moment, and I left my room a completely different person. Wow. And that's how it started, really. <laughs> wow. So just because as soon as you said ecstasy, ecstasy is one of those drugs that makes you super joyful. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, they call it the love pill. Ah, oh, and, and so when you met the author of love— you didn't uh -huh. need a pill. Exactly. That's exactly. awesome. You know, the devil's crazy because I had an encounter with the Lord where I was just like feeling his love so powerfully. I was at, a, um, at an awakening meeting at this church and God's glory was just pouring out. And I felt like I was high on ecstasy again. I was just full of, full of boldness, full of love. And, and God spoke to me and he said, the devil has taken my glory and he has counterfeited it and put it in a pill. Mm. You know, all these drugs are really just a counterfeit of God's glory and euphoria and all these amazing things that we could experience in the Lord. And the devil has so many people broken because of it. But when we experience the presence of God, it brings us to wholeness and happiness and holiness and all those good things. But yeah, absolutely. That's that's who God is. That is so that's just so powerful because there are so many people who try to run from God and God is so gracious and so wonderful mm -hmm. that he's willing to mm. wait. He's willing to wait until you call for him, but he'll still pursue you. <laughs> but yeah. he'll, but oh, he's yeah. waiting. He's waiting for you to say, if you're real, because that's, <laughs> that's like that particular word. You know, I don't know if it's something that, you know, we just hear from other testimonies. So then we eventually say it, Lord, if you're real, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but, he sh but he still shows up. He still shows yeah. up. He doesn't say, you know, such and such said that. Ah, you know, of course I'm real. I need to show it. No, he still shows up because he's a faithful yeah. father. And and I always yeah. think about the prodigal son. Where the prodigal son came came back to his father's house after taking his inheritance and squandering it and doing all kinds of horrible things with women and goodness knows mm. what he did. Mm. But it, it but he said that as he got closer because he had the realization to go back home to be a servant to his yeah. father. And as he actually was heading towards home, his father came running for him. Mm -hmm. And what I see, I always think about that, and I see this man with a pair of binoculars who's searching the horizons, waiting to mm. see his son stepping towards him so he can run out and grab him. Yeah. And that's who I believe God is. I believe he has his, his binoculars and it's just like going over the earth, looking and searching for those sons and those daughters to say, if you're real, come and show mm. me. And he goes, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, oh, yeah. so you have this radical encounter with God. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're filled with love, his love. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do, you do with all that? Well, the funny thing is, you know, I had that encounter and drug addiction fell right off of me. I was doing drugs every day and I never craved a drug again. 
But there was other nagging sins that didn't fall off right away. You know, you, you leave this dynamic encounter with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Maker of Heaven and Earth. You leave this encounter, and, you know, there's still some bad things going on in your life. <laughs> you know, I still ha- was, was paying off a whole bunch of debt from some, some trouble. You know, I, I got into a life-threatening car accident when I was drinking and driving, and I, I didn't have a license still, and I was paying off all kinds of debt. And, you know, I still struggled with depression and fear, and things didn't change right away. What changed is that I had God with me, and I could always run to Him. And what changed is my heart, my desire for Him, and no longer the things of the world— but there was still some stuff that needed to be restored in my life. And, um, you know, God began to ask me to do some things that weren't comfortable, like make Christian friends. And, you know, I just, my life changed really, you know, in the sense that I just wanted to tell all my friends about the Lord and God wanted me to get new friends. And he began to ask me to do some stuff that was uncomfortable for me, like apologizing to people that I hurt and sitting down with the girls that I used and paying back money that I stole. And, it was a work of grace, really. My, my heart was in it. You know, it was God. And he just began the restoration process, the making all things new. Wow. You know, about being born again. And, and I think that what you just said about being accountable for your past, mm. you know, that he, he did it in such a beautiful way that you not only asked for forgiveness, but you were basically, you, you atoned for your sins so that they could yeah. never be brought back up and thrown in your face again because those were put away. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, because God forgives us, but the world doesn't. Exactly. You know, you know, we're we're completely forgiven from God's vantage point, but there's people that we've hurt, and you know that's why He wants us to live in a certain manner, and that's why there's all these scriptures that say walk in a manner worthy of the calling of God, because He doesn't want us to hurt the people around us that He loves. So you know, when when you're born again, you're born again, and He wants to make all things new. And I think that um, God really put on my heart to just make things right in my life in every way, whether it was financially, relationally, really just start a new life altogether and leave all that junk behind, you know? So, okay. So now you go, you talk to your friends, you talk to the people you've hurt, you, you've given back mm-hmm. whatever you've stolen and now you're mm-hmm. walking this whole new life. Did you yeah. think that ministry was going to be the next step? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life at all until, until that moment of encounter. And I really, I, I encountered the Lord, but I, I believe that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. It wasn't a separate experience. And the reason why I say that is because the supernatural realm just opened up to me. You know, I was hearing God in everything, through everyone. You know, I was having, uh, you know, in my in my times of prayer, God would show me visions when I'd lay down at nighttime out of dreams. And just God became very real. I saw him in everything. So, you know, there was just this baptism that brought a fullness of life to me. And then God began to speak to me about my calling. You know, um, there was one night specifically where I was laying in bed, and I would just set my heart and my affection on Jesus before I went to bed. And um, I was just meditating, and I had this encounter with the Lord. He showed me um, a vision of me sitting with one individual, and then that one person left, and two people sat down, and then two people left, and three people sat down, and then the vision vanished, and I didn't understand it. And then he showed me a picture of a multitude that I couldn't see beyond just hundreds and, and thousands of people. And I was like, God, what is this? And he spoke to me and he said, you know, this is, this. You know, first I'm going to have you speak to few, and then I'm going to have you speak to many. I'm going to call you to, to, to share my gospel with, with the world. And in that moment, you know, you, you encounter Jesus and you begin to walk with him, but that was one of my drop everything and follow me moments mm. where I began to realize, okay, I'm called to ministry and I'm going to begin pursuing that. And I'm going to begin walking in that direction. You know, after I got saved, I still, I love the Lord. I was telling everyone about him. I, I kind of knew it was going in that direction, but 
that was the first moment, probably a few weeks later, where the Lord really called me out and said, no, this is what it is. So when you started, so, okay, so now you have your sights on ministry because God has given you, he's given you the call because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's funny, um, there's actually, there's the verse, you know, it's Jeremiah, um, no, I'm sorry, it's not, it's in Psalms, it says, um, for I knew you, right? That yes. says, for mm-hmm. I have no, for I have knew, I knew you. And it's like, mm-hmm. and I knit you in your mother's womb. And I think about that. I think about that verse from time to time because when when God has a calling on you, he knew what your calling was before you mm-hmm. knew who you were. Mm-hmm. And it's become, yep. it's become so evident to me that because it's like before the foundations of time, I prepared a place for you. Before, before you were even a thought in your parents' mind, God already thought of you and dreamed of you. So, yeah. so here you are, you're, you're starting to get the understanding and the revelation of what God already saw, what God already dreamed yeah. of, because you were a dream to him. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, you know, here you are, you have this like kind of seedy pass, which I love. I love people with a seedy <laughs> pass. I'm sorry, because I, I just think it so disqualifies them so that yeah. God can just qualify them. It's so, it's so good. It's beautiful. It is. Yeah. It's really beautiful. So, so what did, how did you do that? Did you say, okay, I guess I'm going to have to go to like Bible school or go to seminary? Like, how did you know? Because you were saying that you went to, that it was Catholic. And so the only kind yeah. of ministry you could do there was priesthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my mom, she, she encountered the Lord in the Catholic Church, but then um, she, she, she began attending a non-denominational church, but she still went to um, the Catholic Church cause, because of my father. But when he got saved, we began to attend a non-denominational church from when I was 14 until I got saved at 20 years old. So, so we were in that church then, but still, for me, I didn't really understand what to do and, and where to go and all that stuff. But the first worship CD I ever got was Christ for the Nations Institute. And that's in Dallas, Texas, and they had worship with Carrie Job and Rick Pino, and um, it was just an incredible album, and it was given to me. And I was into punk rock music and heavy metal and all that stuff, so I listened to this beautiful, melodic, sweet worship music, and I would just cry like a baby in the presence of God, just encountering His love. And I'm like, who am I? Like, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even listen to this stuff before, and now you know, and now I'm listening to this this melodic worship music, and I'm just you know encountering God. And I noticed that on the CD, it said Christ for the Nations Institute, and it really jumped out at me. And um, I just began to look into it a little bit, and God began to tug my heart in that, in that direction. And God's so merciful, you know, it's amazing. You know, from that point on, I began to just see Dallas everywhere. Dallas license plates, this uh, student from Christ for the Nations came to my church all the way in New Jersey to sing a song and do some ministry. And everywhere I went, it was Dallas, Dallas, or Texas, Texas. It was just like God was opening my eyes and leading me in that direction through different signs. And um, I had a friend of mine who actually said, you know what, Mike, you're, you know, you're still in like some debt. You got about $4,000 worth of debt at, at, at that time. And he's like, I don't think God would call you to Bible school with you having debt still. And I thought to myself, you know what, that sounds like wisdom, but I know God's calling me. It's just growing in my heart. And I had a dream that I received a check for $4,000. And in the dream, I was so excited. And I woke up the next day thinking like, Lord, that would be great. <laughs> you know, I would love that. And um, I think it was about a week or two later, I'm not exactly sure, but not too far after, I received a check for exactly $4,000. So I paid off all my debt, and um, I, I just took that as a sign from God, I'm definitely supposed to go. So I wound up attending Bible school probably about nine months later, though. I just wound up working construction jobs, just sharing the gospel with all those rough dudes around me that wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And I just 
you know, shined as a light while I was working there and then went right off to Bible school. That's awesome. Okay, so now you're in Texas, which I would love to go to yeah. Texas because everybody that I wanted to meet lived in Texas <laughs> at one po- <laughs> at one point. You know, it was like, oh, I got to mm-hmm. go to Texas. But um, okay, so you're in Texas, and God is preparing you, yeah. and you know you're being prepared. But you just now did, were you operating in the gifts of the Spirit because you said that you were filled with the Holy Spirit and you were seeing visions and you you had wisdom and you heard God's voice, but Mm-hmm. Did were you able to take what you were receiving and to freely give it? Yeah, well, you know, I'm grateful that Christ of the Nations isn't just a Bible school. It's like a real, it's a it's a ministry equipping school, and you know, it was birthed out of the different healing revivalists and then the revivals that happened in the late 40s and 50s with you know Gordon Lindsay and uh, William Branham and all these amazing revivalists, Jack Coe and A. Allen and. So the school is Pentecostal. The school is after the Lord and His presence. And I'm so grateful that I went there. The Lord sent me there to be equipped. And um, I went there with a heart, just like Jesus. I've had friends. I've had girlfriends. I've had all this stuff, popularity, and I'm not going to Bible school to make a whole bunch of friends. I want to make the right friends. So I got myself around people who were on fire, that were on the evangelism team, that were operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And for me, prophecy has always been a gift that um, just began to flow naturally in my life. I'd see visions, I, I'd get impressions for people, you know, I'd see things in the Spirit, or I had an unction to pray for the sick, I saw some people healed, people saved. But at that time, I was still only a year saved, young in the Lord, and really just growing, and He's just teaching me how to operate in the anointing. And my time in Bible school, honestly, I just dedicated myself to spending time in prayer, and getting in the Word, and going to classes, and spending time with people that just loved God so much, and and going out in the streets and challenging myself to do evangelism in hard places. So that was, for me, just a complete saturation, like a, like a plunge into the things of God, because I knew that I was being prepared for the ministry. Yes, you were, because I think that mm-hmm. after you finished with Bible school, how long after did you go to Iris Ministries, which is Heidi... <laughs> <laughs> Heidi, Heidi and Roland Baker, for those people who don't know, have um, an incredible, outrageous like ministry called Iris Ministries. And her heart is just love. That's it. She yeah. serves out of this place of love. But she has seen signs, wonders, and miracles, deaf eyes. I mean, deaf ears have opened, blind eyes have mm-hmm. opened, and... Mm-hmm. And she's also seen the dead raised. I mean, she oh, yeah. just walks, but she walks in, in these signs and wonders, but it's out of a heart of love. And it, it's just so beautiful. So, so a week later, <laughs> a week later, you're <laughs> like, graduated. you graduate and you're like, I'm now going to Mozambique, which Mozambique is not like going to the Four Seasons. I mean, this is some serious, this is some serious travel and some serious, it's a serious place. I mean, it's not an easy place to be. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. What was that like? Well, you know, it was funny. Well, in Bible school, you know, I got involved with this amazing woman, Sharon Hobbs. She's a very prophetic intercessor and she took me under her wing and I just sensed the anointing on her life powerfully. And I just wanted to learn from her, honestly. And she took me on two missions trips um, in the summertime, you know, to Thailand, Laos, Malaysia and Indonesia. And I got introduced to overseas missions then. And that's when my heart really just began to burn. And you know, when you step into destiny, something just comes alive on the inside of you. You realize this is what I'm called to do right here. You know, we're preaching to Buddhist kids in in Thailand. We went to to schools, preaching next to Buddhist altars, sharing the gospel, seeing young kids cry in the presence of God, receiving prayer. And we went, we smuggled Bibles into, into communist Laos and 
in Malaysia, we saw Muslims come to the Lord, and we baptized them out in the mountains, and in Indonesia, preached, and countless churches saw people delivered, set free, and healed. And, you know, as a believer, only a year, you know, a year and a half, two years saved at, at that point. It's just, it's just awesome. And I began to realize this is what I'm called to do. And I got a book from Heidi Baker called Compelled by Love, which I strongly recommend. It radicalized my life. Um, she was just, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, a now example of somebody operating in the love and the power of God in an extraordinary way. I read about revivalists who have died and passed on, but this woman's alive, and she's living in a love that is just incredible and supernatural, and the power of God, which is just operating so freely. I, I, I wept through that book. And um, a year before Bible school ended, I was, I, I was with the Lord in prayer, and I encountered God, and I just knew in my heart that I was going to be going to Mozambique right afterwards, and he made that abundantly clear again through you know, various confirmations and stuff like that. But So I had some missions experience, very short-term, though, very short-term before I went to Mozambique, and that was just a whole nother level. I was there for three months, and we were living in the dirt with the poor, and <laughs> it was wild. It was a life-changing time. Well, if anybody ever wants to, because Compelled by Love is actually a movie. They did a documentary based on that book, which wrecked me, (laughs) wrecked Mm. me. And so, oh my gosh, it was amazing. And the person who actually um, did the movie was her assistant for, for, I'm trying to think of her name. I think it's Sara, but I'm not sure if that's it. Yeah, Sara. Sara, right? And Mm -hmm. she was just amazing and God just gave her this he said I want you to do this documentary and and it just wrecks you so if you've never seen it I highly highly recommend either the book or the movie okay Mm -hmm. so so here you are now in Mozambique now I don't know how it works there because to me it just seems like um you know Heidi and Roland Baker both are are just kind of like mom and dad. Like they're just yeah. all over the place. So it's not like when you go to a conference and they're up there and you're back in the back. I mean, this is like one-on-one. And so at, mm-hmm. at first it must be like, oh, because when when you, this is how I feel. And, and it's not, it, it's not a people thing. It's really not a people thing, but it's like they got to see that part of God. See, mm-hmm. to me, it's always a God thing. Like if yeah. somebody has an experience or, or tons and tons of experiences that, that God just like allows them to see all this stuff and they're operating in the presence of God is there. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to sit with them and talk. <laughs> I want to, yeah. I want to sit underneath them. I just want whatever they got just to kind of rub and roll off of me. So I figured that if I'm with Heidi or Roland Baker, I'm thinking that while they're sweating, let me just catch a couple of sweat because whatever anointing they might have, <laughs> I can kind of like suck up. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, mm-hmm. okay. So here you are, you're in Mozambique. You must have, because of your heart, cause you have such a beautiful heart, Michael. Um, you must have just wept when you got there. Yeah, it was surreal. It was definitely surreal getting on the airplane, going to Mozambique, and just the, just the anticipation and just feeling a oneness and a unity with the ministry, kindred spirit, just knowing that I was walking in divine footsteps. It really was um, absolutely surreal. But once I got there, you know, you're there, and all these African kids are running up to the to the camion or the army truck when you when when you arrive, you know, from the plane, and you're packing up, and it's just overwhelming at first. You know, you're in a new place, and but what I love is that there's 300 or more Westerners that come in two times a year. So there's two schools a year. It's a mission school, and so there's 301 school or so, 
and they're just hungry. They're, they're coming from all over America. They're coming from England and Europe and, you know, Asia and Africa and just all over the place just to encounter Jesus. And so there's classes all week outside in the dirt, you know, among the kids and the orphans and the, and the people that they've taken in. And um, so you're just receiving from people that are just, man, so anointed, just doing awesome stuff for the Lord all around the world. And then on top of that, there's all these different ministries that you can get involved in, you know, going to the prisons and the jails and the hospitals. We'd go in and we'd pray for people who were sick and, you know, and we'd, we'd just, we'd hit the streets, the bars, and we'd go on, we'd get in the army truck and go like six, seven hours away to an unreached people group, you know, to, to a village. And we'd show the Jesus film, preach the gospel and just see people healed and set free and get saved and churches planted. Like that's the stuff that they're doing all the time. That's just normal. All these activities are already going on, and you get to just jump in and be a part of it. Um, so it's just, you know, even just being there is just transforming, being in that environment and just seeing how Heidi and Roland operate. And they are more accessible, but it's hard to get to know each student, you know, because there's 300 there. So and they have staff, and they have, you know, their, their Mozambican family. So Heidi and Roland, they try to go out of their way to at least shake your hand, you know, look look you in the eyes. And Heidi, she's just full of so much love when you look that woman in the eyes. I actually have a really cool story of an encounter I had with um, Heidi Baker that happened actually a little bit later when I went back to staff with my wife and I was getting married. But that's kind of later down the line, but I, I would love to share that probably. I'll probably share that soon, but it's up to you. I could share it now. You could share <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm sitting here on pins and You're needles here. Oh, her? heck yeah. <laughs> like, All right, okay. Well, you know, I, was, uh, I went through as a student, but then God called me back um, to Mozambique, and I didn't even know that I was going to go back, but he called me back through a dream, and um, they really needed men. I looked at the website, they needed men, so I went back to Mozambique to staff, and Selena, who's my wife, she was there as a student, so that's how I met her, and um, you know, that's a long story in and of itself, but when me and Selena really felt the confirmation from the Lord about our relationship, we got to know each other, I wanted to propose in Mozambique because I thought, you know, we, uh, we, we met here, God did so much in our hearts here. And um, so I wanted to propose, but I had a ring in the States. I had a diamond that I was going to use, you know, when, when I got married, but I wasn't going to have that shipped to Africa. <laughs> I don't want it lost. You know, that, that's foolish. So I said, let me just give her a memento or, or something, you know, just to propose, and then I'll give her the real ring once we get back to America. So I tell some leaders about it, and I guess my leader gets in touch with Heidi Baker, and I get invited to go to Heidi Baker's house. So she's got a beautiful little home, modest, but on the beach. It's gorgeous. And I get invited to her house, and she's playing worship music 24-7. She, she's like, oh, you know, have a Coca-Cola and sit down, and I'm going to get you, you know, these different whatever. She's like, I'm going to – she's like, pretty much, I'll be right back. I'm like, all right. So she comes out with, like, three or four bags of rings, and she dumps them on the table, and they're fake rings, real rings, gaudy ones, African ones, religious ones, like, all different kinds of rings. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she just goes, pick one. Just – just go shopping for free. Ask Jesus what, what ring you're supposed to have. So I'm looking through the rings, and I'm just overwhelmed. And she comes out. She goes, no, there's just one ring I have in here, and this is the one. Holy Spirit told me. So she gave me this beautiful, elegant, like, delicate ring, and I, I knew that Selena liked simple and elegant. So it was just a perfect ring. And um, I got to spend a little bit of time with Heidi and speak with her, and she's just a wonderful woman. She lives what she preaches, and um, we still have that ring. My wife wears it. It's like it's, it's definitely a legacy ring, and it's just awesome to have that, you know. And I, I think my wife even wants to pass that down to our daughter, you know, in the future. It's just an awesome thing to have. I was grateful for that experience with her. That is so cool. Holy Spirit, was. I kept seeing you talking to Heidi, like just mm-hmm. in this very intimate 
like thing and I'm like oh good there is a story <laughs> yay um okay so uh-huh. so then so you leave Mozambique with now your wife Selena who mm-hmm. is beautiful by the way who is and ridiculously yeah, is. anointed Inside and out. yes and mm-hmm. and just okay so you guys now have decided to come back to Jersey is that where you decided to kind of set up well you know it's how I even met my wife is an incredible thing because, you know, before I even met my wife, I had a dream that I was going to have a little girl. And um, in the dream, we we're on the missions field somewhere, and she was about seven years old, and she was operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge and casting out demons. And I was just in shock in the dream. I was like, my daughter's amazing. And I woke up from that dream feeling the presence of God, and the Lord told me that my daughter's name is going to be Selah. So this is before I even met my wife. All right, now fast forward. I meet my wife in Mozambique. I like her. I'm like, Lord, I like her. She's beautiful. She loves you. She has a servant heart. And um, I just I just laid it all out before the Lord. First of all, just my heart in neutral. God, if it's her, great. If it's not, I'm, uh, that's fine, too. And um, that same night that I surrendered it before God, genuinely, sincerely, um, I got with my wife, and, and we, were, we were just doing some worship together. And um, I just said to the, you know, the presence was so sweet. And I just said to Selena, I just go, Selah. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, that's my daughter's name. God spoke to me a few years ago and said that I'm going to have a daughter named Selah. Oh my and I looked gosh. at her and I was dumbfounded. I felt slapped in the face. Like, honestly, I didn't even know what to say. I got creepy awkward, almost. Like, I didn't, I wasn't going to say, well, God spoke to me. I'm going to have a daughter named Selah. Will you marry me? Like, I didn't do that. But, um, and then we just kind of moved on with the conversation. But anyway, for me, that was just a confirmation. And um, so I proposed in Africa and... Um, Anyway, we got married not too far after that. It was probably, you know, we only knew each other six months before we got married. But, um, yeah, so we got married, and we thought we were going to be in the missions field right away, but God really closed the door. We have a heart for India, and um, I've been to India before, and I just love it. And there's just so many, there's such a need there. And um, so, anyway, we, we there was a connection, and we prayed about it, and it was just hard. A lot of resistance. Things weren't working out, and I just said, God, is this you, or is this just resistance from the enemy? And you spoke to me, and you said, don't give birth to an Ishmael. Um, it's a promise. It's in my heart, but not right now. So my wife and I, we spent about a year in the States before we went overseas again, and we just were married, and we served our local church, and we just, you know, I, I, got, I got a job, and we just lived in New Jersey for a year. Wow. Okay, so now you're you're kind of back on the road again. I'm hearing, on the road again. <laughs> <laughs> just can't wait to get on okay so because you have such a heart for the road you're such an evangelist yeah. you really are you have such an evangelist heart and um and what what i've been kind of sensing is the spiritual atmosphere of the united states right now it's kind of like it's kind of in an influx <laughs> there are some places that are really super clean and there are some places that are really super dirty right now <laughs> it, it's yeah. so it, it's like you could kind of drive through and be like ooh, ooh, clean 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 oh <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so yep. because you just i think it was november i think you were gone from november until like the beginning of January, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so you traveled, you went to Texas, and I, and then you also did some stuff up the East Coast. So mm-hmm. what was, like, what was going on? Because there is a, because you drove most of that way. 
I drove the whole time. The yeah. whole time. Okay. <laughs> so so yep. riding shotgun with the Holy Spirit, was it like, yeah. hey, Michael, turn into this over here or stop at this rest stop or um, see that guy over there? Because that those are the things that, that can happen when you start oh, yeah. when you start hanging out with the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So my wife's family is from Texas, and um, so she flew with the baby, and um, God really put on my heart to just drive through the U.S. And um, my wife and I, actually, when we got married, we were in the States for a year, but we went to Cambodia for about six months, and um, we knew we weren't, we weren't going to stay in Cambodia. And when we were there, my wife got pregnant, and she, God really gave us a heart for America and the, and the bride in America and just America at large, and they really began to speak that to us. We had several prophetic words about you know, fire spreading all across the states and us being a part of this move of God in America and um, really just confirmation after confirmation and plus the burden that the Lord is putting on our hearts. And so we came back to the United States with vision and with purpose. And um, I just began to travel and minister in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and um, just in the East Coast areas. And I'd fly to Texas here and there. But I just, you know, I just, God wants to awaken the church and God wants to shake the church up, you know, awaken her to her identity, what what she's carrying, her authority, so that we could go out of the four walls and we could be Christ. We could live the book of Acts. We could live the Bible. All this power that's available to us, we can make a difference in this world because, you know, people pray for revival, and I love it. I pray for revival. I pray for God to move. I pray for signs, wonders, and miracles, and all, all of these amazing things. But at the same time, we pray, and then we go. We pray, and then we do it. You know, just like in the book of Acts in chapter 4, they got together and they said, Holy Spirit, you know, pray and give us boldness so that we can declare your word and stretch out your hand, you know, with signs and wonders through the name of your son, Jesus Christ. So they just weren't praying for revival to sovereignly hit. They were praying for boldness so that so they can go and preach the gospel and they can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So I think a lot of churches just camp around prayer and we just want to pray for revival to happen when God is like, yes, that's great. I'm partner with me in prayer, release my purposes, prophetically declare and prophesy and all these things. It's essential. But at the same time, let's just put some feet to that. So my wife flew to Texas, and I just drove from New Jersey to Texas, and I preached in Virginia and um, Tennessee and Maryland and um, Alabama and Texas and various places. And obviously on the way, I'm praying as I'm driving through all the states. And yes, there's darkness. There's, There's specific regions that's darker than others. But, you know, one thing as an ambassador for Christ, you know, as a messenger of Christ, we carry a greater atmosphere. You know, we carry the presence and the glory of God. And when we walk into a dark place, my heart always is, you know, to prophesy, to declare God's word, to take that ground, to take authority and to release the kingdom of light, to take that atmosphere back for the kingdom of heaven. To prophesy, begin to proclaim and set an atmosphere for God to move. And then on top of that, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Do I need to share the gospel with somebody? Do you want me to, you know, so I saw God do incredible stuff and, prayed for a whole bunch of people on the way and saw God's kingdom in miraculous ways and really just imparted to the body because God really wants to set his people on fire with a revelation of him to encounter him so that they can go out and do the same things he did. Well, you know, it's interesting, Michael, as you were kind of talking about the revival, it, it what, what really kind of hit me, and I've never actually thought about this until just now, but I was thinking about the book of Acts. See, the revival wasn't in the church. The revival was in, mm-hmm. in the apostles. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, yep. Each of the apostles had a revival. Mm-hmm. Then they took that revival and they went out. And they started yep. to give other people revival. I think that what we're missing, just like what you're saying, is that revival is not so much in a church, but it's in 
the church is in each and every single person to to start operating in the gifts that God has given us to start to declare the kingdom of 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 God is here that the kingdom of of, of Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross that mm-hmm. the the kingdom of heaven can be here can be obtained can be shared mm-hmm. and i think that's the biggest I, I think that sometimes, you know, I've often said that there are some churches who who cry out for revival, but I'm like, they do not know what they ask because they're so structured. And yeah. we have to do music at this time. We have to do the message at this time. You only have so many minutes to do that. When Holy Spirit breaks out, it's like... Mm. It's like game on. Holy Spirit's going to mm-hmm. do what needs to be done. So you're going to have people rolling around on the floor. You're going to have people weeping and wailing. You're going to have people who can't speak. You're you're going to have the presence of God where people shake. It, it it God is how do I put this? He he likes to make it comfortable for for his presence. And so if there is something that needs to go, he's going to shake it, move it, mm-hmm. toss it and get rid of yeah. it. But in a loving, fatherly way. Of course. Of course. You know, I used to not understand, you know, when evangelists would come into town and they'd they'd say, fire, fire, fire. And they would pray fire. I didn't didn't really get it at the time as a young believer, but I honored the anointing that was on them. And I felt the presence that they were carrying. And this one specific time, this evangelist, a miracle worker came and he prayed fire over me. And I didn't really feel anything. I just said in my heart, God, you know what? I, I honor you. And I just received whatever this man's, you know, passing on and parting to me. And then the very next day, God began to bring up in my heart people that I was bitter against, that I've criticized in my head. You know, um, it's just this, this set of individuals that I just had something against in my heart. And God began to reveal to me, like, this is my fire. My fire purifies. My fire takes away everything that hinders love, that hinders fruitfulness, that is just holding you back from your purpose, you know, and from manifesting the kingdom and joy and peace. And it's an amazing thing because the fire of God isn't his judgment. It's his burning, passionate love to see us walk in the fullness of who we are so that he could get out of us to the world around us so we could walk, you know, in his, in, in, in his nature and, you know, and uh, be conformed to his image in a greater way. So it's an awesome thing. Like when God's spreading his fire, he's spreading encounters uh, with his love. He's spreading, you know, um, the power of God to transform and set people's lives free and, and, and put things back in order so we could actually be, walk in our calling's destiny. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I love that you gave that explanation because I think a lot of people don't understand it. I mean, you know, I came from a Catholic background. So the only thing that I did understand was speaking in tongues because my dad did. My dad spoke mm-hmm. in tongues. But so and somebody said, well, I can teach you how to do that. I'm like, eh. No, not so much. God wants to give it to me. He'll give it to me. (laughs) And he did. Mm -hmm. But it was Mm -hmm. a choice. It was a choice. I make that very, Mm -hmm. very clear. You know, I could have said no, because God's not going to just, you know, take somebody and and put him in a a headlock and say, you're going to speak in tongues. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. so because he's only going to give you what you're comfortable with. And there are some people like, oh, I never will speak in tongues. Absolutely. That's that is correct, because Mm -hmm. God's not going to take your free will. But what you said about burning up, I think that is such a beautiful way to explain what God is doing because the fire of God is a consuming fire and he burns mm-hmm. up anything that's going to hinder you because he loves mm-hmm. you. He wants to, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's sort of like, it, it's like if you have a bug, God's not just going to sit there and look at it. He's going to swat that puppy off. He's not going to let it yeah. stay on his child. 
He wants mm-hmm. it gone. He wants it removed. So the mm-hmm. the fire, but there are so many things that I guess it's like, I call it like the evangelist arsenal. <laughs> You know, that there are certain things that, that, that the evangelists just pull out of their bag because evangelists really walk in signs, wonders, and miracles out of, yeah. I think, out of all the different, I mean, yes, prophets do to to a point, but I think like the evangelist really kind of does more of that because if you if you really think about it, some of the, the, the people who operated in the, the strong, strong gifts of signs, wonders, and miracles their heart was evangelism, was bringing people into the kingdom of God. So, you know, God has this beautiful arsenal that he just gives to every single person who's hitting the road. And he's like, here you go, take this yeah. and, and just open it up and whatever you need, you got, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. casting out a demon, wait, it's in here somewhere, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? And so, so you go to these different places and sometimes I wonder like, when you get to these places, does the father just give you a download of what they need? Like, what does this church need? What do, or is it just once you hit and you start speaking and the Holy Spirit starts flowing, does he usually give you like a heads up so that you can kind of start praying beforehand? It's amazing. Um, the Holy Spirit, he, he doesn't do things the same way every time, <laughs> especially with me. You know, I don't know. Some people may have, you know, but he's very spontaneous, you know, according to, you know, how I know him. But um, there's times where he'll speak to me a week in advance, you know, start putting a message on my heart. Maybe I'll just speak one word and then, you know, some scriptures I'll think about and I'll just start getting into them. Or um, sometimes I won't even feel anything until I get there. But I've kind of developed a place in my heart and life where I'm just daily before the Father and daily in the scriptures and allowing him to form these things in me. And then once I get to a place, you know, I'm not, I'm not nervous. You know, I know that he's going to download something to me. He's going to give it to me. But he's always faithful in that way. Like one example, there's this amazing church in Virginia that I, that I minister at. And God, he, he spoke to me great grace about a week before I, I, I went to this church. And that's all I heard. And I was just like, all right. So I just began to just study and ask the Holy Spirit more, but I didn't get a whole bunch more. So I just wrote down some things and some scriptures. And then when I got there, the presence of God in worship was remarkable. It was just on a whole nother level. And I just saw an open heaven in that place. And I began to have encounters with the Lord, he began to show me the throne room in heaven and the flags waving before the throne. And he's just speaking all this stuff to me. And my message got completely just revamped. Yes, it was still about the great grace of God, but he released me to share encounters that I've had with him that I've never shared anywhere else. You know, there's things that I experience with the Lord that I don't share unless he asks me to share it or tells me on the spot. And I never shared any of these stories before that I had heavenly encounters I've had with the Lord because a lot of people aren't ready for it. Maybe they won't understand it, and God knows who's ready. So in that moment, I just shared everything that was on my heart, and it was just people were just receiving from heaven the fire of God. People were being transformed. Prophetic words were going forth. The atmosphere was electric, and there was transformation, you know. So it's amazing. It's different every time. It could be frustrating. Like, God will give me a word a week before, and sometimes I won't even have a word until I get to the worship service. But he's faithful every single time because he knows what his church needs. I never want to go with a polished message. I never want to go with a three-point sermon and just teach and leave. My heart is to go with the fire and the power of God, the word of the Lord, so that people are touched and changed. That's you know, awesome. so. And so I, so I do have to ask because... Um... You know, I want to know, can you, can you, can you share like one of the, excuse me, one of the signs or, or, or a story that was just, that blew your socks off? 
like one of the stories that I shared at the church. Uh, you don't have to do that or just any story that the Holy Spirit's bringing up, but just something that you just, it's because sometimes like when things happen, sometimes I just shake my head. I'm like, seriously, Lord, that was just, that was so amazing. Or I can't even Mm -hmm. like, sometimes you don't even have words. You just kind of sit there in shock. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when I first went to Mozambique, I heard Heidi Baker say things like, oh, you know, I've been to heaven. I love that place. And I'm like, really? How are you going to say that so nonchalantly? Like, I didn't, I didn't understand it. You know, she's like been to heaven several times. And I'm like, God, I'm hungry. Like, why not me? You know, Heidi Baker went to heaven. She's no better than me. I know she's a favorite daughter, but I'm a son too. And I want to go. So I went to Mozambique and that's like my prayer, my cry. I'm really pressing in for it. And God began to speak to me and he said, you know, I don't want to take you to heaven because you're already there. And he opened up Ephesians 2, 6 to me, where it says, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So our bodies, our physical bodies are here on the earth, but our spirit is one with heaven's fullness. Our spirit is in Christ at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. So there's this reality that we have access to through faith. And he began to develop faith in me. And, you know, I used to always pray out loud and pray in tongues and shout and declare and praise. And all of that's great. I still do that. But God began to develop in me meditation and silent prayer, and it became my favorite kind of prayer. I would just lay down in his presence, and he began to show me some incredible things. Like one time specifically, I began, I got very sensitive to the angelic, and I'd have encounters where, you know, I saw different angels. And, you know, I didn't get it because, you know, the Bible says that angels minister to Jesus, and in Hebrews it says that angels will minister to those who will inherit eternal life. So that's us, but I don't understand how angels could minister to us. But I began to have these encounters where I'd, angels would be all around me, and I'd feel the love of God. I'd feel them releasing the presence of God, the joy of God. It's because they're always in His presence. So they're, so they're carrying who He is, and they, and they release that to us when we need it. And I began to have these really just distinct encounters, you know, of heaven, and just these, 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 these visionary, um, amazing things that just completely changed my life. And I really didn't feel up until recently, you know, that I was supposed to release them. But even now, you know, I brought it up because I feel more, you know, comfortable sharing them. But there is such a realm that we could step into and encounter in God because he just broke all separation and we're seated with him in the heavenlies. So it's available for every believer. I honestly believe that. I just think hunger and faith is required and he'll even lead us into that you know, he'll, he'll give us the hunger. <laughs> well, I think that sometimes, sometimes people don't feel worthy enough to go. So, yeah. because, um, I, I had this, um, and I've kind of spoke about this before on my show, but I had this crazy thing happen. Um, I started to pray for people and people start going to heaven. Like their spirit, mm-hmm. <laughs> their spirit started to go to heaven. I would just yeah. start praying for them and then phew, they were gone. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Lord, where, are, where, where are they? And he's like, they're with me. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. and it, Amen. and it happened to more than one person. So when, you know, mm-hmm. things start happening in twos and threes and fours, you start to say, Hmm, okay, something's up. So, yeah. um, so then when it was my turn, somebody said, have you gone to heaven? I'm like, no, and they're like, well, well, can I do something so you can go? I was like, and there was such, um, there was such a, uh, um, it was sort of like a love of a child who wanted something good for their parent, mm-hmm. because that's how this person was like saying, like, you didn't go, but, but well, what, what can I do so you can go? Because there was such a, they were so excited for me to experience it. Mm-hmm. And so when mm-hmm. I did, when I, and so I had some people lay hands on me and I did go, what was so crazy is that even when I came back, I was like, 
that didn't happen. That was just my imagination. <laughs> that, no. But what was what God is so good at doing is he just crashes through and says, I'm going to give you confirmation. And I slowly started to get confirmation of the things that I saw in heaven from different people who didn't even know that I went to heaven. But yeah. like uh, Kat Kerr. Kat Kerr, who is, um, has been to heaven so many times, and she dyed her hair pink. Now, I've always seen her with pink hair, and I always thought, well, that's kind of fun. But I didn't think anything of it until somebody said, do you know why Kat Kerr dyed her hair pink? After I told her that when I went to heaven, the sky was pink, she said, because the sky in heaven is pink. And so that's why she dyed her hair pink. I went, wait, she really, it really is pink. You mean, I really did see it because that kind of threw me. I was like, why is the sky in heaven pink? But it's like, it's that pinky, like, like sunset, you know, like when you have yeah. the, the pink sunset sky, that's what it's like. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so God gives you these beautiful confirmations to say, yes, my child, that's who you are. But, but going back to what you were saying, you know, when I started to pray, cause I prayed for a bunch of people to start going and there were some people who couldn't go. And I, yeah. and so the Lord had me, excuse me, go to each person individually and start talking to them. And one of them, I had to say it was their birthright. She said, yeah. what? So just like you were saying, we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So once we, once she heard it was her birthright, she went, she went yeah. to heaven. So yep. it's, it's faith, but it's also, I think sometimes you have to understand that, that God sees you as worthy because of oh, what yeah. Jesus did on the cross. So he doesn't mm -hmm. see us with our stuff. He sees us yeah. through, through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. okay. So, so you've, so you've gone to heaven, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, yeah. and when, when you came back, did your head feel heavy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's awesome because I've just began to develop this lifestyle of, of, of meditation. A lot uh -huh. of people call it soaking, okay. you know, and yeah. like, uh, mm -hmm. in the, in, in the Toronto blessing and they've just developed certain words to explain it. But for me, I just think meditation is such a lost art in the church. And when I just get with the Lord and I just give him all my cares and then I just get silent before him and I begin meditating on a certain biblical truth, like I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places, my body's here on this earth, my spirit is with the Lord, and I begin meditating on these things, then I begin to, I begin to step into an encounter with God that is just otherworldly. You know, it's, just, it's just supernatural. And there's things that God's shown me, like you said, with confirmation afterward, and you always leave um, that experience a different person. You know, you always leave. I think for me, the most enlightening revelation or the most life-changing thing for me, you know, I always believed that God loved me because my parents loved me even when I was a sinner, but they didn't always like me. <laughs> they didn't always like my behavior. I feel like sometimes my parents were disappointed with me, and they really did their best. They, they believed for my life, and they were, such, they were so amazing. But I had, this, I had a hard time believing that God liked me. You know, sometimes when I, when I would fall short, I had this high standard for my life. And I believe that he loved me, but I didn't always believe that he liked me. So I struggled with condemnation. I was up and down like a roller coaster. But when God began to reveal to me the power of the cross, the power of his resurrection, that he took my sins, past, present, and future, in his body on the cross, and that he destroyed my sin in his body, and he made me the righteousness of God in him, that every barrier, every separation, 
um, was completely broken in his body, and now he is in me, and I am in him, and there's no separation. When I began to understand that, I began to access the presence of God 24-7, not only in a prayer room, not only in a church service, but when I was doing the dishes, when I'm doing the laundry, when I'm driving my car, when I'm, you know, it, there's just, as long as my heart is turned in faith, as long as my heart is turned to the scriptures, the promise of God in faith, and my heart's leaning into him, there's always an encounter, something he wants to give, or something he wants to share. So just literally being able to host the presence and carry his presence in every situation. I read that book by Brother Lawrence called The Practice of the Presence of God, and that just confirmed so much of what God was doing in me. And along with that came those heavenly encounters, because I was learning to live free from guilt and that sense of unworthiness or you know, that complex that got disappointed or upset with me because I'm not living exactly the way I should. You know, So all of that was... The, you know, a, a revelation of God's grace really began to open up just a, a consistent 24-7 lifestyle in these things. So now let me ask you a question, because you were talking earlier about how God has given you such a heart for America. We're, we're mm-hmm. really, we're in very sensitive times right now. We, we have a new president who's coming, mm-hmm. and we're yeah. very, very divided, but... Mm-hmm. As we said, Jesus is seated <laughs> next yes. to the right hand of the Father. And mm-hmm. so he, and it, you know, and it says, you know, that if my people who are called by my name will turn from their evil ways, right? Mm-hmm. And he says yes. that I will hear them and, and, and I will heal their land. So I believe that because of this election, because there were so many people who were praying that God heard us and he's about to mm-hmm. heal our land. So my question yes. to you, Michael, is what has the Lord shown you? that we need to either pray for or that he is going to do because of his sovereignty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's people got so freaked out during the elections and, you know, I've seen believers act like devils and, you know, just saying all this stuff about all these people. And yeah, you know, it's just, it was just a wild time, you know, the election. And I just kept reminding myself, you know, no matter who the president is, Jesus is King and he's the answer for America. But I am so grateful that Donald Trump is in office, and I do believe that's because the saints were coming together, rallying and praying and believing, and I absolutely believe that. You know, but for me, I, we, we are in a critical time. You know, it says in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 60, you know, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of God is rising upon his people and deep darkness has covered the earth and the face of the deep. So it's, there's a reality that there's deep darkness, you know, covering, you know, America and so many places in America, the division, the racism, the this or that. But the glory of God is going to arise upon his people, and I believe that the church is the fullness of Christ, and the church is always the answer. So that's why the church needs an awakening. You know, the church needs to wake up, first of all, to who Jesus is, second of all, to who they are in Christ and what they're carrying, and they need to be compelled into action by the fire of God, by the power of God, compelled into action to do something. You know, we could... (laughs) I'm, I'm grateful that God is raising up people, you know, in government and in different um, sectors of society and the seven mountains and all of that to be, to, to be a light for the gospel. But for me, my heart really is the church realm, and to see the church be the church of Acts and to see an even greater glory that Jesus spoke about, even greater works than these you shall do, greater works than even him. So I'm, I'm a real simple kind of guy. You know, I read the gospels and I say, why not me? You know, I've seen a lady raised from the dead in Thailand. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen God do it, and I'm like, do it again. Do it again and do it more consistently and use me. Use me, and I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to back down. And I really see so many people catching this revelation, and my heart really is to equip the church for the work of the ministry. And I feel like as believers fall in love 
and they fall out of love with dissension and fighting and backbiting and talking about all this stuff, and they begin to fall in love with the Jesus, the Scriptures, and they begin to say, yes, I'll be uncomfortable, yes, I'll step out of fear, yes, I'll step out of complacency and nominal Christianity, yes, I'll step out of shallow waters into the deep things, and they begin to really just be who they are in Christ. We're going to see a huge change in this country. And yes, we need to pray, we need to stand, we need to believe, we need to prophesy, we need to speak the Word of God. The Church needs to just pray and continue to pray and to knock and keep on knocking. At the same time, I really believe that God is awakening His people to go out and do it, just like we were saying, to be the hands and feet, to pray for the sick, to preach the Gospel, to lay, you know, everything that Jesus said that we're supposed to do, the recipe for revival, you know, the Gospels in the Book of Acts. And I can't even get out of the Gospels and Acts right now, because that's just where my heart is. And that's what that's definitely what I see. And when when you were talking about and um, the the glory, the glory hitting the earth, covering the earth, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny because when um when I, t- uh, 2017 started, it was actually on New Year's Day. I was sitting with the Lord and I said, "Okay, Daddy, what do you have planned <laughs> for 2017?" Mm-hmm. And I actually saw the United States and it was covered with this big black cloud. It was huge. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. I saw the cloud leaving the United States yeah. and I saw all the glory. <laughs> the mm-hmm. glory was just shining down on the United States. And I actually saw <laughs> four angels. There was one in Maine, one in Florida. I guess it was either like Washington or Alaska, like right there. And also then it, so it was on the four corners of the United States. These were mm-hmm. big, massive angels, huge, hundred feet. I mean, these were massive, massive. And I was like, the watchmen, the watchmen are here. Yes. The watchmen are here. So would you mind mm-hmm. actually praying and prophesying over our country? Would you mind? Mm-hmm. Do you feel comfortable doing that? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. I'd love to. Cool. Well, Lord, I just thank you right now for your presence. Yes. I thank you that you are victor. I thank you that you have all authority in heaven and earth. I thank you that you spoiled principalities and powers, and you made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them all. The devil wants us to think that he's big and he's bad and that he's got the whole world in his hands, but he doesn't. You are the one that robbed um, him of all of his power and authority. You are the one that triumphed over sin and death. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you are preeminent over America. We thank you that your spirit is moving all across this country. We thank you, God, that there's fire spreading all across this country, God, of your glory. I just thank you, Lord, that churches are waking up. I thank you that people in government and influential positions are waking up. I just thank you that you're giving them dreams, just like in the book of Daniel. Wicked kings were getting dreams. I just thank you, God, that you are raising up of people in, in, in influential places in government and Hollywood and all over the world, Lord, to shine forth your glory in 2017 and beyond. I just thank you that your hand is on America, Lord, that the church will arise and shine and truly be a light where there is deep darkness. And I just thank you, Father, for your power, God. I just thank you that it is your will that none perish but all come to you. And I just thank you for your patience with us, Lord. I thank you that you've tarried in your patience, God. You are so faithful, Lord. So I just pray for a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. I just pray for awakening and revival for this country. I just thank you, God, that it is in your hands that you are the ruler, that you are the King of kings, and that you are the Lord of lords. And may your will be done, and may your zeal accomplish this, God. Mm-hmm. We just thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Woo, that was good. That was really good. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny because I, I think that is, 
we don't understand what prophecy. Sometimes we understand prophecy. Oh, I need a word. I need a word. But it's so different. Like when we yeah. start to understand that prophecy, we are when we start to prophesy something, we're actually saying this is what God is saying, and so this is going to establish what is being said. Because yeah. as it comes out of my mouth, it is going to establish it. It's not a pipe dream anymore. Because you're mm-hmm. not, it's not coming from you. It's coming from the Father. He's just using vessels to yeah. declare it. And it's been, there's been so many prophetic curses over our country that need to be removed. So it's almost mm-hmm. like we have to like remove the junk in order for the truth to come forth. But I really felt the Lord saying, have Michael prophesy and pray over America because that yeah. is your calling. And I actually see you going up. Oh, here I go. I actually see you going. I, I see you actually doing a lot more travel. And I actually see you up in Canada, like up in that border, still in America, but closer to Canada. So I don't know if it's like the Michigan, it's like the Ohio, it's like that area, but it's close to Canada. So I can actually see like the Canadian border. So you're actually going to be doing some stuff up there because there is there is such a move and it's almost like um, it, you're being slingshotted from place to place. Oh, no, actually, you're you're like... Um, you're like a, a, a pinball machine because I see you being I, like a ball, but it's you. And I see the Lord pulling back the, the handle of a pinball machine and launching you. And, you're, and as you hit these different places and it's like ting, 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 ting. And it's like and he's playing the board and he's flipping the flippers and he's just bopping you around all over the place. Mm-hmm. But as you hit these targets, as you hit these places, stuff is getting done. Stuff is seriously getting done. Because it's like, I, I kind of feel like the Lord is like, I don't have time for this anymore. <laughs> and so he's like, he's, yeah. he's sending out like, he's sending out the right balls. <laughs> yeah. he said, so I don't know if that makes sense yeah. to you, but that's what I started to see was a big pinball machine. And I saw his hand pull it back. And then I saw him mm-hmm. on the flipper. So I am, that's so fun. Amen. He's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Amen. I <laughs> Well, Michael, this has been so awesome. You've been, you have such an incredible story. And um, for, for anybody who's interested, you can actually get your book. So can you talk uh-huh. just a little bit about your book? Yeah, Born for More. So God spoke to me when I, when I first got saved that I was going to write a book. At the time, I didn't even like to read. But then I began to devour the scriptures. And anyway, this is just a God dream, you know, fulfilled. And it's the first of many, I know. But um, Born for More is truly about living in the presence of God 24-7. You know, we're talking about, you know, a lot of people just relegate the presence of God to church. A lot of people suffer with guilt and condemnation or having a hard time hearing God's voice or sensing His presence or just being in touch with the spirit realm. And I really believe that this book is for believers that are young and believers that have been, you know, in the church for a long time to really help them just live in the presence of God and experiencing Him in a deep, meaningful way, just a life of intimacy. And that's what it's all about. Well, if you guys so I have several testimonies in the book and everything. Well, if you guys are interested in getting Michael's book, you can actually go to his website, which is Life Poured Out, I N T L, which is short for international dot org. Correct. Yes. And if somebody is interested in having Michael come and speak at their church, you can also connect with him there. So you can get his book. You can find out about him. He has some um, has some stories. Correct. You have a little bit mm-hmm. of a bio about yourself and about your wife. Yes. So mm-hmm. if you guys want to connect with him, that's how you can go out and reach him. Yeah. Michael, th- great. this has just been so wonderful. Thank you so much for, for coming on Touch by Prayer and sharing your stories and and also for blessing um, our nation. 
Yeah. Amen. It's my honor. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. This has been so much fun. Guys, I hope. I I hope that you've enjoyed Michael's testimony and I hope as in all the testimonies and the different stories that we share here on Touched by Prayer that this is giving you an encouragement to to be the hands and the feet of Jesus because the workers are few. We need more workers out there because there's a lot of territory to to cover. So, you know, if this has inspired you, definitely reach out. You can go to my website, www.touchbyprayer. You can also ask for prayer requests. It's something new that we have. You can also check out our archives. Also, ladies, if you are in the New Jersey area, March 17th and 18th, I am having my first women's conference, Daddy's Girls, Walking as the Daughter of the King. So if you're interested, we're actually, we just opened up registration so you guys can start clicking and we hope to see you in March. So thank you again, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on Touch by Prayer. Yes, thank you. Okay. And thank you guys for listening. I hope this has blessed you. Just remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.